some people will say that bravery is like seeing fear and going around the fear or doing something in spite of the fear, that kind of stuff. Um, but the more that I research, the more I realize that no, 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 the, the people who are, who we define as brave are those that are able to utilize the fear itself to do the thing that they want to do. Welcome to the Live Your Fuck Yes Life podcast, your place for all things health, wellness, self-care, and real talk. I'm Amanda Catherine Loy, health coach, actor, and badass extraordinaire. Each week, I'll bring you a guest or a thought with some serious real talk to help you find your passion, speak your truth, and get you one step closer to living your fuck yes life. Are you ready? Here we go. Hey, 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 you guys. Welcome to episode 50, five fucking zero, y'all. I'm so excited to be here and to share this week's guest with you, who is changing the face of how we look at bravery. Yes, I said bravery, as you obviously saw from the title. And as you guys know, this is a topic that is near and dear to my heart. And the question that I have gotten over and over and over again, or the thing that people have said to me over and over again in this past year is you're so brave or how did you, you know, find that courage or that bravery? And it got me really thinking about that word and how that is perceived in society and what bravery really is, because to be honest, I didn't feel brave (laughs) and, um, I felt terrified and it was so interesting how something that I felt um, was not reflected in society, but the way that people were perceiving me was as this brave, courageous human. And so when I uh, discovered Emily Ann's work and just like really dove into her research and everything she does with the School of Bravery and her book, I was like, I have to fucking have this girl on the podcast. Um, And Our conversation is so fucking epic, you guys. I cannot wait for you guys to listen and to hear all of the things we dive into. So for those of you who do not know who Emily Ann Peterson is, um, she has had a crazy story. We talk a lot about it. Um, but the 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 Coles notes is that in 2013 she was diagnosed with a degenerative neuro, neurological hand tremor. That's hard to say, um, which um, forever altered her two decade livelihood as a cellist. And she was also a cello teacher. And she, um, in an act of neurological defiance, expanded into wider mediums and broke through her creative glass ceiling and has opened the doors to a bunch of possibilities through songwriting um, and also um, in entrepreneurship. So she uh, started uh, writing and launched her best-selling book, The Bare Naked Bravery, How to Be Creatively Contag- uh, Courageous, um, which helps people from all walks of life understand what bravery bravery really is and allows them to step into it by creatively using vulnerability, imagination, and improvisation. She's also the founder of the School of Bravery, which is a learning lab for creative visionaries, which supports everyday heroes and creative entrepreneurs prepare, endure, and recover from their seasons of bravery. And she is a beautiful singer um, and songwriter. And I just like an overall gem of a human and a person that I felt so much uh, like similarities with like we were talking and I was like oh my gosh we are literally the same person in so many ways we've been through really similar trajectories in our lives as creatives and 
it was really, really incredible to hear her talk about her journey um, and also just really, really dive deep into what the fuck it means to be brave um, and all of that. So some things we talk about is what the fuck bravery bravery actually is, how developing a hand tremor really changed her life, um, how we have navigated through traumatic shifts and how that can change your identity. We talk about the process of writing a book, um, starving artist mentality, and what her research on bravery has shown, and so, so, so much more. So I'm super pumped to share this episode with you. You guys um, enjoy, kick back and relax unless you are driving. And yeah, here we go. Emily, welcome to the podcast. Yay, thank you for having me. I'm I'm so stoked. I am too. This is going to be a good one. Yeah. I have literally been like following your journey and watching all of the things you do and listening to your music like for a year. So I'm super stoked. Whoa. Yeah. I'm like, I'm like a kind of a secret stalker fan. So welcome to my life. Um, but I just, I'm you, so honored. I'm blushing. Ooh, so cool. I love it. No, but for real, you guys, like I, I feel like there are a few people in this life that I meet that I immediately go, okay, this person is eerily like my twin and we have so many of the same interests and have have really navigated life in very similar ways and I'm just like really excited to learn from you and talk to you and for all of you guys to um, get to know your story because it's so fucking powerful and I'm just pumped to talk to you so welcome 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 Oh my gosh. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so I know obviously this like has been a crazy year for you and launching your book and like all of the stuff that you're doing with your coaching stuff. So I just really want to start with talking about bravery because I know for me, that's been a really big theme for the past year for myself, um, and learning about bravery in a new way. Um, and in a way that really didn't, I didn't expect. So I would just love to hear like, what does bravery mean to you? And obviously it means a lot because it inspired a whole fucking book. So like, what does it mean to you? And, and just, yeah, riff off that. Okay. Um, well, so I didn't know what bravery meant. Um, and I went through a whole horrific season where I was like going through, I guess my own quarter life crisis, trying to figure out like what the hell was going on. Um, and everybody kept telling me, be brave, be brave. And I just wanted to like give them the middle finger and go like, what the fuck does that mean? Because mm-hmm. everybody talks about bravery a lot. We we make idols out of our heroes, you know. Um, but when I asked people what bravery was, they uh, nobody had like a succinct answer. Nobody really knew. Um, after all of the research that I ended up doing for this book, I landed on my definition, which is bravery is the creative use of fear. Mm. It is not the avoidance of fear, but it is actually acknowledging it and using the fear itself. Um, some people will say that courage or bravery, um, are, well, first of all, some people think they're different things, but they're actually literally the same thing. They're just different tenses of the same kind of word. Um, but some people will say that bravery is like seeing fear and going around the fear or doing something in spite of the fear, that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but the more that I researched, the more I realized that no, 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 the, the people who are who we define as brave are those that are able to utilize the fear itself 
to do the thing that they want to do. And actually, yeah, having, like you say, because courage, I think, and bravery are so similar and so intertwined, but having the courage to actually take action when you're riddled with fear instead of just allowing it to take over your life. Well, and, and, you know, if you're riddled with fear and you um, have to do something in spite of your fear or despite your fear, um, you end up doing that thing, the scary thing, kind of like you're walking on eggshells. Mm -hmm. Whereas if you are doing the scary thing with the fear, like holding the fear in both of your hands and using the fear like reins on a horse, um, you end up, um, you end up being able to make better, more confident decisions in the midst of the fear, in Mm. the midst of that. um, I love that. So, okay. So what, what even got you interested in talking about bravery and researching bravery and, and navigating all this in the first place? Sure. So the short answer is that uh, f- about five years ago, I was a full-time cellist and a cello teacher and um, successfully. So it was, you know, like a full-time paying rent, doing the whole mm-hmm. thing. Great, awesome life. Loved it. Totally a calling, totally a calling. And um, five years ago was di- diagnosed with a hand tremor. So a, a, neuro- a neurological degenerative tremor in my hand, mm-hmm. um, called an essential tremor. And it became very clear as the diagnosis unfolded. And as my, I started watching my hand get worse, it was really clear that it was not a smart decision to continue investing my, my time, my community, my resources, my life into an instrument that eventually was not going to be able to give back to me at all. Um, so I had to basically make the tough decision to completely change career de- trajectories. Mm-hmm. Um, even though I still can play the instrument, um, I can't play it as well as I used to half because I don't practice it at yeah. all anymore. Yeah. Um, Cause I'm choosing again, not to invest in that instrument. Um, but I mainly can't play the instrument as well as I used to because my hand prevents um, me from making this that kind of sound that we all know and love the cello for. So um, the way that I describe it is um, normally a cello makes one consistent sound like wah, right? And um, with my tremor, it kind of goes ha. Mm. So it isn't, it's not exactly the greatest, most beautiful sound when the hand is really bad. So um, yeah, it affected my business. It affected like, there's a whole bunch of, whole bunch of things it affected. Um, and again, I was left with people going like, oh my gosh, you're so brave. This is so, I can't believe you've got this diagnosis. This is uh, um, And the main piece of encouragement was you're so brave or keep being brave or just be brave. Mm-hmm. And, and that was frustrating to me. Um, I so resonate because so in February of 2018, it's very different, obviously, but I was, um, I was told, well, I found out that I had um, the BRCA gene, which is linked to breast and ovarian cancer. And we are actually recording this before my surgery, but this will be coming out with you guys when I'm post my double mastectomy, which is, you know, something that I never thought I'd be facing. And it's completely changed the trajectory of 
my perspective of my life. And Mm -hmm. I remember getting so frustrated when people would say, you're so brave to even just find out you're so brave to decide to get this surgery. And for me, it's just like, this is what I have to do. You know, I have to do Well, yeah, that's one of the reasons why it was so frustrating for me and probably you too, is that bravery feels like fear. Mm. You like, if you're doing bravery the right way, like if you're actually using your fear, it will feel like fear. Mm. Um, but if, if you're making the right decisions with that fear in mind, um, it will look like bravery to everyone else. Yeah. So what was that decision-making process like for you? Because as an artist myself, I can't, I'm a singer. I can't imagine being told that I'm no longer able to sing like professionally. Like I cannot imagine that it is the way I express myself. It is my entire life. Like thinking about it, I'm getting emotional. So obviously like you can still play, but essentially like your other life, like your, your whole being was attached to this instrument and then you're being told that that can't be the case anymore if you want to be healthy. So what was that process like for you? Well, um, there's a lot of what I call creative sulking. Mm-hmm. Um, mainly that happened while I, so right after my diagnosis, I gave my TEDx talk. And then the day after my TEDx talk, which is, you know, online to all the places, mm-hmm. um, you can actually see in the TEDx talk that um, my neurology was kind of catching up with my hands. And so, or my actually my body was kind of catching up with my neurology because I'm holding note cards in the TEDx talk. And there's a couple points where it happens. And I don't remember consciously doing this, but it is a perfect example of what was happening in my body during this season. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd be holding something like note cards and my hand would start to shake. And my left hand would just take over, would, would grab the note cards from my right hand. And I wouldn't be consciously aware of the fact that my body was like going, this guy's falling down on the job. Yeah. Your body um, just like makes up for it. Exactly. Um, there were other things like, um, some other physical things that were happening was like, I would reach for a pen or pencil, which is pretty light. Mm -hmm. Um, and because my hand is shaky, right. My, I can, I don't know if you guys can see, but like if I'm <laughs> extending my hand out, that's when it's, it's most shaky. Yeah. Um, and so I'd extend my hand out to grab a pen or a pencil. So it was already on very shaky and I'd pick it up real, just like Matt, like without thinking about it. And then <laughs> I don't know, somewhere in the neurology, my pen would fly across the room pencil would fly across the room because there's something about like the muscles and the way my hand was shaking and then my gripper muscles weren't functioning Mm -hmm. like it used to so and every time my hand kind of gets to another stage of its next progression that is degenerative it's going to get worse um I will do things like drop pens and pencils and spill cups of things that you shouldn't be spilling, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. so it, it was, it would, there were some frustrating moments like that where it was like, I'd spill a cup of coffee and then have an emotional meltdown. Yeah. Not because I ruined the carpet, but because it was a symptom of the fact that the rest of my life was 
unraveling um, and changing like mm -hmm. it's a huge shift Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. I have so much so much compassion for you and also like so I just think it's so amazing that you are talking so openly and so vulnerably about this because well one of the things that happened right after so I went to that got did the TEDx talk the next day left on a six-week artist residency in the mountains of North Washington. And the um, the way that I describe it is that six weeks, I was doing a bunch of creative sulking. Mm-hmm. And that emotional, that creative expression allowed me to come through the, these conclusions, which was, I'm not just a cellist, I'm a musician. I'm not just a musician, I'm a songwriter. Mm-hmm. I'm not just a songwriter, I'm an artist. And it getting to that conclusion allowed me to go, okay, well, if I'm an artist, I can do literally do and create literally anything. And I'm still me. Mm. I'm still, um, I'm still who I am at my core, which is someone who can express myself creatively. Um, And so if I'm an artist, I've got to have something to say. And if I'm going to say that thing, I'm going to have to be brave. And that was actually the thing that got me, hooked on the subject of bravery. I mean, yes, everyone was telling me to be brave and I was frustrated, but I was more the motivation to follow that curiosity was from this place of, well, if I'm an artist and I have something to say, I'm going to have to be brave in order to say it. So mm-hmm. let's figure out what bravery is. So we're going to, so we can say this thing. I fucking love that. <laughs> like, Yes. Yes. A hundred times. Yes. Because having the courage to speak out is so, can be so scary and so debilitating. And especially in the, I feel like we're in a space right now where it's like this vulnerability thing is like really going around. It's like kind of like the hot topic, right? It's like, okay, like real Instagram and all the stuff where you're like, I'm going to show up with no makeup and that's me being brave, which, you know, by all means, like if that's something you don't normally do and that's like your version of bravery, that's amazing. But I think when we can genuinely like this year has proved so much to me for my personal story that like by sharing what I'm going through and sharing it in real time, which is something I had never done before, Um, it has given me, it has given me a gift that I never expected. And also so many other people have come out like from the woodworks, basically being like, I am obsessed with everything you're sharing. And I needed to know this. I needed to hear this. And it's just Mm -hmm. changed the game. So like, did you feel that? Did you, did you notice that shift in your life when you decided like, okay, I'm an artist and I need to share my story. Like, did that change for you? Well, I mean, cause I was still in the thick of it mm. and to some extent I still am, mm. you know? Um, so when somebody comes to me and says, oh my gosh, um, I don't know if somebody comes to me and says, like everything you're doing, like you, everything you're doing is so great. I've been following you forever. This is so wonderful. I'm, I'm elated because mm-hmm. it means I'm doing something right. But I'm also still in the fog of my own current bravery right now. So, um, you know, when somebody is referencing past moments of bravery, you have this perspective like, oh, that's old hat. Mm. I've been doing that forever. Or, um, 
And, and that's kind of the nature of the way bravery grows. The way I describe it is that it grows in a spiral and it starts really small and tight. And then the more you practice bravery, the more you do brave things, the more easy it gets and, um, or the more the earlier pieces of bravery get easier basically. So, um, I mean, we'll use like music as an example. If you know, you, you playing twinkle, twinkle, little star is, a pretty hard thing to do on the cello just in general. Um, but if you've been playing the cello for 20 years, that's a really easy thing to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you've never done that on stage in some, front of someone else, that's the next, like, that's the, the next layer. That's the next layer of, of playing that song in front of mm-hmm. someone else. So, um, so, I mean, that's also part of it that, that, you know, that makes bravery kind of something that's a little bit hard and hard to hold on to mm. is that your current experience of what is brave right this second is not the way that it was six months ago mm. or even yesterday. Mm. So um, what are you currently feeling like you need to be brave about? Uh, booking my own shows and concerts and tours. Mm. Um, right now I don't have a booking agent right now. And so part of that bravery has meant creating a system for myself that works for my brain that I actually enjoy <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> because, um, I mean, one of the things that I've learned after publishing this book was that these 12 ingredients that are in the book, bare naked bravery are actually really great ingredients for making decisions as a business owner as well. Mm. Um, and I majored in business in college. And so through, and I was kind of always doing marketing consulting, even as a musician, I was like giving fellow artist friends advice on Mm -hmm. how to do different things. Mm -hmm. And then during like the turmoil of like, what the hell do I do now? Um, started doing marketing consulting on a more formal, um, formal capacity for just anybody, just because I needed to pay the rent. Um, but after publishing the book started to realize, oh, this is a thing. Mm. Like, this is a thing that I need to be doing more often and in an official capacity, not just the marketing consulting, but let's talk about bravery and how to put yourself out there and creativity and let's blend it all together and, um, and do that. So right now we've got I'm, you know, musically I'm booking myself and that's the the big thing. Mm -hmm. Um, But I'm also, I also started the school of bravery, which is basically like the, the basket that holds all of my clients and students right now. Um, Yeah. And it's so fun, but I'm also learning too, you know, Mm -hmm. like I'm, that's part of, part of why I created it, especially the way that I created it was that because bravery is practiced and built through practice. Um, if you have a really good teacher in anything, they too are practicing that thing. Yeah. You have to constantly be working on in your craft. And, and they are not, um, their ego is not attached to the practice of that thing. If Mm, that makes sense. Totally. Yeah. I love too, that you found this niche in business, like that you've found your groove and that you're not allowing one to take over, like that you're still pursuing music. You're still booking events and speaking and, 
and playing. I mean, I know you're not doing cello anymore, but you're still singer songwriting all over. Yeah, exactly. And then you also have opened this business and written this book, which for me is something I 110% resonate because I could never consider giving up acting and singing. And I also run three businesses, right? So it's like, I so resonate with this. But my question is like, how did you first get of all, that? if you for, yeah. if, before you ask the question, sorry, no, you're good. Um, if you haven't yet, you need to um, connect with or read uh, Emily Wapnick's book, How to Be Everything. Ooh. I highly recommend her book. She did a TED talk about multipotentiality, mm-hmm. and I think a lot of musicians, artists, songwriters, actresses, visual artists, all those you know, that whole bunch. Um, we are multi-potentialites. Yeah. You know, we do our artsy fartsy stuff because we do it in so many different ways and it leaks out of us. We can't help it. it just yeah. It's like out. spurts and giant fireworks. Yeah, exactly. Have you taken the personality test, the Enneagram before? I am. I'm a four. You're a four. Okay. I was going to say, a four. I was I'm a triple Pisces and I'm an INFJ. I'm like, Ooh, I'm an ENFJ. <laughs> that doesn't surprise me at all. Yeah, I'm a seven. So I'm like a energy, energy, like that's what I give to the world. But I I cannot just like focus in one direction. Like I love performing, but this like becoming a business owner has taught me so much about myself and it's constantly teaching me more. And I love it in a whole different way. So I'm curious, like, what spurred you to even think about the book and business owners like side of things. Cause writing a book is a very lengthy, exhausting process. One right. that I've considered many times and I'm like, I, I don't know, maybe, maybe next year. Right. It was like every year, but like, how did you even get into that realm and what inspired you to like go down that path? Well, I had a client, a marketing client who threatened to write and self-publish her own book. And I was like, shit, I don't know anything about self-publishing. So I, <laughs> researched it and, um, and realized that it's really easy to do. Mm. And it's also, if you know the right way to launch something, which I did mm-hmm. that, um, then it's really easy for that thing to become a bestseller, mm. um, the way the algorithms and things work. Mm-hmm. So, um, so I knew that the implementation of the, of the book was, was an easy thing for me to do just because that's my wheelhouse of skill set. Um, and then the book concept took a couple years. I mean, mm-hmm. like I had done that research for that client, I think maybe four years ago, and then really only started the book writing process a year after that. So three years ago, mm-hmm. um, and then published the book just over nine months ago. So it, the, the writing, it's a long thing. It's definitely not a quick, Oh, let's just whip out a book, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, that answer your question. Yeah. I think like, I think the book part of it though, like doesn't necessarily yeah. mean business owner, you know, it's like, yeah, you yeah. have a book, but a lot of artists have books. A lot of people have, uh, you know, yeah. like blogs and stuff that they do as like a thing that they put into the universe. And then they're like, that's, you know, what I'm going to do. And that's what my research is. But you've created yeah. now, uh, like, the, like you said, as you said, a school for bravery. And then you also do consulting stuff and, and all sorts of stuff. So like, you've created this business from 
this concept from your book. So like, how did that kind of evolve, I guess? It really just um, naturally from necessity and also curiosity and, and like just a core sense desire, you know, like I, the other thing that has, um, the other way that it has unfolded is if I get angry or agitated by something, I will learn more about it, Mm. um, or speak up about it or something. And right now, um, like I'm, this is like brand new. I haven't told anybody this, um, so, but right in the second, um, the concepts that I'm chewing on right now is like how to conquer starving artist mentality. Cause I see mm. it. So it is like a fucking epidemic and it makes me so, I get livid when I hear fellow artists make jokes about paying for rent and that yeah. kind of stuff. Um, because it's, it's demeaning. It, it demeans me and every other artist out there. It just mm. makes me so angry. So that's kind of like right now I'm at like the fuzzy part of my bravery right now is there's that like underlying agitation about starving artist mentality, um, starving artist syndrome. I so so understand that. Can I just pause for a second? Because I am constantly around actors and the words I'm broke or I'm so poor are like the top things I hear on the daily at rehearsals. Yeah. And it's like, you don't have to be, (laughs) you don't have to be. And, and I think, you know, the way my agitation by that, those beliefs is Mm -hmm. what has caused me to unfold my business the way that it has, Mm -hmm. because my art form is not just songwriting. My art form is like creative expression and helping people with their whole selves. Mm -hmm. Um, And that is my art form. So the way that it unfolds into the world, I could give a rat's ass about, you know, but what I know about business and um, applied microeconomics is that if you want money for something, you have to give people what they want and what they need. Mm. And if you're going to hold onto your integrity as an artist, which I want to, um, that means finding the common ground between what is my art form and what is it that people need? And so that's just naturally unfolded with like, well, people need marketing. People need to know how to put themselves out there into the world. Um, I know how to do that. I have these skills. So you just have to stay really acutely aware and sensitive to what's around you yeah. to be able to find products, excuse me, products and services that people actually want to give you money for. Yeah. Um, and things that so. genuinely light you up because I think what you said, like this was something that was agitating you, which means you are passionate about it, which means you have a voice, right? Because if you're just doing something that is just because someone else told you to go, you know, sell some pottery at the local craft fair or whatever the fuck, because you're making it in a craft, you know, but it's not something that lights you up and it's not something that you give a shit about. Like you're, you're not going to, you're not going to express the energy that the people that need to receive that message are going to need. Right. So exactly. I love well, I mean, that. A, a great example of this is so just happened last night and um, somebody in a, a Facebook group that I'm in filled with musicians mm-hmm. made some comment about, you know, how hard 
hard it is, how hard the hustle is and all this kind of stuff. And, and my philosophy is that if it's hard and overwhelming, you're doing it wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're not, you're missing some of those ingredients of bravery. Um, it's not supposed to be the easiest thing you've ever done. And it's not supposed to be comfortable by any means, but if you're, if you want to give up or if it's o- way too overwhelming, um, or you're like fighting adrenal fatigue, mm. you're doing something wrong. Yeah. Anyway, so he, so the, the comment, the, the response to that was, well, not everyone, um, he, he knew that I do what I do and that I do a bunch of different things. And the comment was, well, not everyone is like you. Some of us are like uh, race car drivers or what was the other, or a boxer where like you just have the one skill basically mm. like the one trick pony. And I was like, Oh, you're not a one trick pony. <laughs> like even just the, if, even if you think that all you have as going for you is songwriting what is it, what is required to be a songwriter is the ability to see a really complicated subject and boil it down to three to five minutes and communicate that with an audience. Mm. And that skill in and of itself is totally fucking marketable. Yeah. <laughs> like, there are a lot of people who need to find out information and synthesize it and make a summary of it um, mm. in all sorts of industries. So just that one skill, if you're looking at it from a one dimensional viewpoint, um, that like all you write is songs, that's a lie. You do way more than write a song. You know, Mm. you do way more than just visual art. You do way more than just act. Um, there's a lot more that you do that like all of the skills required to do that one art form are actually marketable in so many other kinds of ways. So, um, you know, it, it, it may look like I have a day job, but it actually, I don't have a day job. It's all one job. You're just living. Yeah. I love this. And I know for me, like I felt like for a long time, like they were these separate entities. Like I was Amanda, the actor and Amanda, the business owner. Right. And that there was no way that they intertwined. And the last year and a half, I had this like epiphany that what I do is I tell stories, right? I am a storyteller. Like I was put on this earth to be a storyteller. And I do that in one medium as an actor and as a singer. And I do that in one medium as a podcaster. And I do that Mm -hmm. in one medium as, you know, a person who has struggled with health issues my whole life and turned that into a coaching business, Um, you know, and it's like, that's what I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to be on the stages. I'm supposed to tell stories in a myriad of ways because I have the ability to impact other people with my voice and with my story. And it's like what you said, they are so intertwined. And yet I feel like so many artists I know have this concept in their brain that like being a business owner is this crazy far-fetched concept that like would never ever resonate or they would never be able to do. Have you found that with other artists that you've spoken to? Yeah, I mean, um, and this is like a just something that I currently am, you know, struggle with, and I don't quite know the answer because there are some people who don't want to be helped. For instance, mm-hmm. this guy in this Facebook group mm-hmm. from yesterday, he does not want to be helped, and it is not my job to help him, right? And as the, and this is like a marketing 
target audience question, basically. Like I, my audience is not filled with people who don't want to be helped. Yeah. Like my job is not to convince you guys, you know, that, (laughs) that you don't have to be a starving artist or my job is not to convince you that you have to be brave or that you should be brave. Um, once you've decided that you don't want to live in fear or you want to actually put yourself out there, that's when I want to work with you. Mm. You know, that's when I can work with you. Um, so I think there, there's part of that. I've, I've had some conversations. I mean, I referenced this story in my book. Um, but there was a conference, music conference that I went to, um, where the panel workshop thing that I attended turned out to be basically a gripe session about the way that the music industry is currently. Mm. And I, um, I use this story to describe the difference between internal, external, and resonant bravery. Mm-hmm. Because internally, when I was listening to this this workshop, I was like, I totally disagree with this. All of this, I disagree with it. And and acknowledging that disagreement was a brave thing. Mm. Um, I shared that disagreement with the friend next sitting next to me, and I was like, I think I'm gonna go. I don't need to be in this thing. I'm not gonna waste my time with it. Like this is not the place for me to be sitting. You know, it's hard enough in the industry <laughs> as it is to, um, to, you know, to just do do things. I don't need to be have filling my brain with a bunch of nonsense as well. Yeah. So, and she said, well, you need to say that. <laughs> you need to speak up and tell that to the rest of the audience. And that what she and I exchanged is the external bravery. Like I invited her into that bravery. Mm. And then when I spoke up and raised my hand and said, actually, I disagree with everything you've just said, everything. <laughs> like I said, I disagree. And they were like, with what? And I said, everything. I disagree with everything you've just said. I love They're that. now <laughs> the most wonderful time to be an artist right now. You have, um, you have the literally the entire world is at your fingertips Mm. and you're angry about this. Like, this is amazing. We should be taking advantage of this. This Mm -hmm. is a really cool thing. And when I spoke up, the rest of the room started getting like buzzy, you know, Mm. um, because some people disagreed with me, but there were a lot of people who were like, yeah, it's just really cool. I'm really excited about this. This Um, and then, so, and I tell you the story because, in the bathroom after the panel, I went to the bathroom and the, one of the lead panelists um, came out of the stall and we had a really awkward bathroom exchange because she, she was basically saying, um, well, you guys referring to the younger generation of the music industry, you guys mm-hmm. need to help us, us, you know, older generation teach us the ways to do things. And my reaction was like, that's not my job. Like, yeah. you don't want to be helped. That's not my job to teach you social media. Like, that's, it's for free all over the place. Mm-hmm. And I can tell you to go look for it, but it's not my job to um, to help you when you don't want to be helped, mm-hmm. basically. When yeah. You, when you want to be spoon fed the answers, that's not my job. Totally. And you're held, you're handheld through the whole process because you need to be somebody who has agency and is really ready. I've learned that the hard way. You can't pull people who don't want to be pulled. It's like my husband Mm -hmm. and his workouts. (laughs) 
like for the longest time he was like no I don't want to do it and I would be like every morning I'd be like you sure you don't want to join me no I don't want to do it and I finally stopped asking and like six months ago he was like hey I think I want to do that whole fitness thing and I was like okay let's do it (laughs) so ever since then he's like incorporated physical fitness into his you know his schedule and it's because he had to be ready right and I think that's such a beautiful thing and I think honestly that resonates with me from a business owning standpoint like I was not ready to even consider that until I until I had that moment where I said okay I'm gonna dive in and try this thing because I don't have any other things left Mm -hmm. (laughs) and so I was at a place where I was like okay I'm ready to try this and see how it goes so I love that yeah and I I think you know when I want to be clear. I I do want to help people. (laughs) That is what I'm all about. I want to help people and I want to connect with people, but I want to connect and help the people who want to be helped. Yeah, for sure. Uh, And there are a lot of problems like that out in the world where, you know, you've been talking about racism. That's a good topic. You know, Um, it exists (laughs) and people who say that it doesn't exist and are like digging their heels into the ground about, you know, what a good person they are and how much racism doesn't exist anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like at this point, there are other people in the world that are easier to help through this, the racism journey. Um, and there are people who would disagree with me on that, that, that would say that, no, it's our job to evangelize about, you know, the existence of racism to mm. these people who are digging their heels in or deniers about it. Um, but this is where bravery comes in because there's a right way to do it. You know, mm-hmm. like if, if the context of your bravery does not allow you to do the brave thing and be received in a, um, in the way that you want that bravery to be received, then you need to adjust that bravery somehow. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think another good I metaphor for that would be like um, nudity. Like there's like running down the street naked yeah. is a fun thing to do, you know, <laughs> in college, you know, but, um, if you do it as an adult or if you go garden naked in, in your front yard, you're probably going to get arrested because your neighbors are going to get real freaked out about it. But if you run around your house naked, that's a different story because that context is, you know, is more appropriate. Um, and then, nudity in an intimate relationship is a completely different thing. Like, so the context of, of your bravery really matters. It really changes how you put yourself out into the world. Um, and that's it. That's all I had. (laughs) Yeah, no, no, no. I love that. I was just, I, I don't know. I was soaking it in because I feel like, oh, I just feel like all the stories you just shared. It's like, yeah, we need to just show up as our true selves more than anything else. So I want to quickly go back to your bravery research and then we'll do some fun questions at the end. But I feel like you spent so much time researching this book and I know that my perception of bravery used to be very much like you show up, you're strong all the time and it had nothing to do with embracing your vulnerabilities and crying and, Mm -hmm just like feeling the feels, as I say. Mm -hmm. So like, 
what have you found, like, what was the most surprising thing that came from your research about bravery that you didn't anticipate? Um, well, it's been a while, so I don't know, like, I've been talking about it, integrating it into my life now, so it's not, I don't know if it's a surprise. Um, but I think something that really, one of the things that I really love to talk about in regards to bravery is defiant expectation. Because uh, what I noticed across all of the research and the conversations that I was having during the research portion of this book writing um, was that everybody that I interviewed had a, had a little bit of this defiant expectation. Like they were defiantly expecting that their bravery could be received in the world in a, in a positive way. Um, even if that was a little bit scary. Um, Mm. and so I, I think that our world needs a little bit more of the defiant expectation. And that Mm. ingredient was just one that like made me kind of go like, yeah, we do need defiant expectation. Like we, and it sounds, it's like one, it's like a knowledgeable level of um, this imaginative woo-woo, you know, dreamy manifest your best life now, you know, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's not quite that. It's the, no, I really know th- this, like we deserve better than this. Mm-hmm. And I, and our, you know, like racism is a great example. Um, we all have inherent worth as a person in the world. And I am going to live defiantly in expectation that people are going to treat themselves and each other the right way. Mm. Um, I have defiant expectation that despite the fact that the rest of the world thinks that, you know, like has like fat shaming body biases and that kind of thing, I have full expectation that the guy that I'm going to go hitch myself up to and be a partner in life with, he's out there and he's not a dick and he's not shallow. And I don't need to, I don't need to bend over backwards to try mm-hmm. to find him. I just mm-hmm. need to do what I need, what I need to do. Yeah. Um, and that's the kind of defiant expectation that I see that I get really jazzed up about, you know, yeah. like I really, and when I see it in other people, I get really excited about it. And now that I know what it is, um, you know, since this research, I'm like, yeah, get it. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Well, it's tenacity too. It's like the, it's, it's like making the decision to show up for your life, even when it's hard or, you know, standing in your truth when it's the last thing you want to do. It's like all of, I love that. I love that so much. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Are you ready for some fast, fun, silly questions? <laughs> yes, of course. Okay. What is your go-to karaoke song? Oh God, I hate karaoke so much. Oh my God, but I that's love only it so much. Because... <laughs> I hate karaoke too. <laughs> oh my gosh, um, I would have to say because I don't love karaoke so much, uh, so much, I would have to say the song, the song Tequila. Oh, what's you know, that? Like, the only lyric is Tequila. Oh yeah, Tequila. Wait, okay, so. <laughs> Okay, fine. Let's let's scratch the karaoke. I feel like everyone loves okay. karaoke, and I usually am the only one who's like the party pooper who doesn't want to go to karaoke. But maybe it's just because we, we sing professionally. But we both sing 
professionally. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. So favorite song to sing in the shower then? Oh man, when I'm in the shower, I'm warming up my voice mm. or working on the song that I'm writing at the moment. Um, That's a good answer. I would say, I would say, no, my favorite song to sing in the shower is the song I'm writing right now. I love that. I will, and I will be sure to link your, all your Spotify stuff too, in the show notes, as well okay. as your book, Avi and all the things. Um, okay. Well, I'll also share a link. Um, you guys can, if you follow me on Spotify, then you get chapter one of my audiobook. Fuck yes. I love that. So I'll share that. I'll share that link with you guys. Love it. Okay. Remind me and I'll send it to you. I will. Okay. If you had to give up cheese or chocolate, which would it be? Oh no, I, I would give up chocolate. (sighs) Really? Oh, I mean, it's a hard choice. It's a hard choice. Are you, are you definitely more of a like cheese? Like I love the savory stuff or is it just, no, I just know that I like a lot of other things that have cheese, Mm, but when I eat chocolate, it's usually like a bar of chocolate. Do you know what I mean? It would affect my life a lot less if I was, if I had to just avoid chocolate. That's fair. Although it would make my life hard still. So I would be, I think I would have to pick chalk. Like I would give up cheese just because I am a chocoholic and I don't think I could go a day without chocolate. Like for real. (laughs) I totally hear you. I get it. I get it. Okay. Um, moment in your life when you most felt like you stood in your authentic, brave truth. This Mm. is less fun and more intense, but I needed to ask. I wrote a song telling a guy that I loved him for the first time and was not received. Like I knew that it was like a risk. Mm. Um, cause it was a former boyfriend and we had broken up already and well, all this stuff happened and I wrote him this song, shared it with him and he was like, yeah, thank you, but no thanks. Um, yeah. I still play that song a lot, actually. Um, mm. It's a good song, but that um, was definitely one of the more pinnacle moments of like, I know this is a brave thing to do. Yeah. Here we go. (laughs) Here we go. I'm going to do it anyways. This might hurt. Yeah. I love it. All right. Last question. What does it mean to you to live a fuck yes life? Oh man. It's that defiant expectation, Mm. right? To defiantly expect that you can live a fuck fuck yes Mm. life. Um, yeah, I think it's also living with your full, full level of flow and vibrancy as well. Mm, I love that. Oh, you are so amazing. I want to just like go and like give you a giant ass hug. I need to come to Nashville. We need to go out and sing and like have a good time. I will. Well, I also am, I'm, I'm booking tour dates for this next year. And I know that Chicago and your area is on the list. So fuck yes, um, I will be there. 
And I will also well, I be have- sure to put all that info so that you guys can get on Emily's email list and make sure that you get all that info too. Cause fuck yes. Sure. That sounds amazing. Well, I mean, one of the awesome things that I do is I do a lot more house concerts than I do traditional venue concerts. Oh, badass. So if, um, if that interests any of you guys and you want to host a house concert, house party concert, then let's make it happen. That's cool. It sounds so fun. Um, yeah. you're amazing. I obviously I'm going to have all this in the show notes, but where can all my pod people connect with you on the interwebs? So emilyannpeterson.com and with no E and Peterson spelled like son of Peter. Mm, um, um, or you can just go to schoolofbravery.com and it'll go to the school of bravery page on my website so you'll be at the same spot um but yeah i mean hit me up if you if you listen to this episode and you follow me on instagram tell me go about connect, it connect go say hey tell her you love her yeah. and listen to her shit and yeah get her book because it's so amazing and thank you so much for coming on i'm so 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 glad we were able to have this conversation Oh, Amanda, thank you. So fun. And there you have it. Thank you, Emily, so much for coming on the podcast and sharing your heart. And for all of the show notes and everything we talked about in today's episode, you can head over to Amanda Catherine Loy. That's Catherine with a K, like kite. I always use the same fucking words, you guys. Dot com forward slash podcast forward slash five zero. That's 50. Still can't believe we're at 50, you guys. That's halfway to 100. We're going to get there. I'm so pumped. Um, and I just love being here with you guys. I love sharing this with you guys every single week on Thursday. If this episode resonated with you share with a friend share with your grandma share with all the people in your life who you love and who you view as brave and give them a little dose of why you feel that way and maybe a little learning in their earbuds Um, and until next time I'll see you guys on the flip side bye-bye